You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Get Positive Results. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson, and we're on Pet Life Radio. Well, a couple days ago, I posted on my Facebook page asking folks, what drives you nuts about people and pets? And because I'm me and I do focus on the positive, what positive things have you noticed about people and their pets that you really want to give kudos to? Well, apparently I opened up a whole box of frustration because the peeves just kept coming through the Facebook channels. It was amazing. I had a tremendous response. Today's show is all about pet peeves and positives. More when we come back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's DesignerPetSweaters.com, the latest fashion trends for our furry friends. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit DesignerPetSweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. DesignerPetSweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Teodi Anderson. Today we're talking about pet peeves and positives, but we're going to cover the peeves first because I think I really opened a box with this one. We had such a tremendous response. It was awesome. But there are apparently a lot of things that drive people crazy about people and their pets. I'll start off with mine. This is what I started off with. I'll tell a specific story, though. There are things that do drive me crazy about people and dogs and people and cats and people and all sorts of pets. I try to focus on the positive in life, but every now and then you wonder, like, what were they thinking? My thing is to let dogs just run up in my dog's faces. People who just let their dogs just run to the end of the leash and get up in my dog's faces without even asking if my dogs are friendly or sick or aggressive or anything. A lot of people don't know that that's really rude behavior. And it makes it even worse when you're at the vet's office. I have been at the vet's office with some really sick pets in the past. And it's been really scary because you don't know what they have. They've been maybe thrown up and they're, they're sick to their stomach and they're not eating. And these people just let their dogs run up in your dog's face. So I'm like, not only is my dog not feeling well, so he may not be as likely to be nice to your dog, but he also could be contagious. So you might want to stay away. But people do that all the time. It just baffles me that people think that that's okay. So hopefully if you're listening and you do that, now you know that it's not okay. So please don't do that because people start started chiming in left and right about that one. They said that, oh my gosh, they couldn't stand it when people just let their dogs run up in another dog's face. It's also really dangerous. Even the most social friendly dog can snap or growl at a dog that runs up to it inappropriately. 
We don't really like it when strangers run up and fling their arms around us and give us hugs. Depends on the stranger. But in general, that's not an accepted public practice. So it's not really fair when other dogs do that to dogs as well. So don't let your dog do that. It's a pet peeve. But people started chiming in left and right, and not just dogs that run up in another dog's space, but loose dogs in general really struck a chord. I know that a lot of my clients that I work with can't even walk in their own neighborhoods because dogs are running loose, and these dogs are not trustworthy. Sometimes they're aggressive, or sometimes their dog is aggressive, and they're worried that they're going to be blamed when their dog takes a chunk out of another dog when they're trying to be the responsible thing and have dogs on leashes. There are leash laws in lots of areas of the country, and a lot of people People just don't respect them. So let's take a look at some of the responses that I got about loose dogs. Let's see here. I have to wade through them. There were so many. It was wonderful. Karen Michelle Peyton Hood says, We live in the country. I can't take my dogs for a walk because so many owners around here let their dogs run free. And they run up and charge us as I try to walk my dogs on the leash. Can't even ride my bike without being chased. It is so not right. And she's right. And I know that joggers and walkers uh, have that trouble. Moms with strollers with their kids also have that trouble. You've got your baby in a stroller. You don't know what that dog's intentions are. We try to teach everybody about canine behavior, but it can be hard to uh, monitor that behavior if you don't have that education and if you're trying to keep your baby from getting mauled by this strange dog. So loose dogs are a real problem. Ashley Alta writes, loose dogs is a peeve of hers, or a human calling the dog from more than a football field away in parks that have clearly marked dog must be on leash signs. Yeah, people don't follow all those signs all the time. That's so annoying. That's not a good one. Dana Errington Maynor writes, owners should let their dogs run free in neighborhoods when there is a leash law. Again, I struck a chord with all these loose dogs. I think that people think that dogs should just run free. And that's not always the case. Dogs don't necessarily need to run free. They need adequate amount of exercise. But if you have 3,000 acres that's contained and your dog can run into it, that's one thing. But when you're infringing on someone else's space, that's when it gets dangerous. Plus, off-leash dogs, loose dogs can get hit by cars. And there's some people out there that don't like dogs and they can hurt your dog deliberately. And that's not a good thing either. Connie Barada writes, dogs off leash, especially with their owners with leash in hand. On the street where I walk my dog, five or six owners do this. The other day it was a pit bull. I picked up my dog in my arms and leaned with my dog against the side of the car as the luckily friendly pit put paws on my back and nose on my shoulder. Again, the owner with leash in hand. Now that's scary. I love pits. If you've listened to the show before, you know that I happen to love pit bulls. But any dog running up to you, you don't know what its intentions are. You're trying to protect your dog. And this dog is jumping on you with the owner with the leash in the hand. Connect the leash. Just connect the leash. Loose dogs were definitely, definitely an issue. And another thing that came up with people with loose dogs was the product of dogs After they eat, they have to go. And, oh, that brought up quite a flurry of comments as well. Owners that don't pick up after their dogs. And we had some good comments on that. This uh, Jack Goldstein writes, although I'm not a pet person, I think I can contribute. And you absolutely can, Jack. Thank you for doing so. I had a neighbor in Queens who allowed her dog to run the backyard, a yard adjacent to my back. She didn't clean after her pet, and I had the misfortune of having people over and having to sit and smell what was not pleasant. It was a cookout, and I just asked my guests to come in the house. Even if you have your pet in your own backyard, it really is important to clean up for sanitary reasons and for neighborly reasons. Heaven knows we don't always get to choose our neighbors, and so sometimes neighbor relations can be difficult. But if you don't pick up, you're not the only one who's smelling that. Your neighbors are smelling it too. And I can imagine with the cookout, that was not the most pleasant 
atmosphere you wanted in environment for the cookout there, Jack. That's pretty terrible. I've got another one here. Pardon me while I flip through this. It was a really good one. A lot of people said that people who don't pick up, don't carry their own bags to pick up the poop. Also, somebody had a really good point that if somebody picks up and puts it in a trash can, that's great. But if you're not a pet person and that's your trash can, you don't necessarily want your trash can smelling like poop. I thought that was a great comment. And I'm sorry, I can't find the name right now who gave that to me. But that was a really good one, too. We also had a really funny one. Mark Johnson contributed having someone's dog start humping a person. That's just awkward. Isn't it awkward? I have been in lessons where that's happened, where the dog, of course, they're usually calling me in because of that behavior. Humping and, or mounting in dogs is the result of a couple things. It's not always what you think it is. A lot of times it's frustration behavior. And a lot of times, especially in puppies, it's play behavior. It's attention-seeking behavior. For example, you have two puppies playing together and one's ignoring the other. One puppy will start humping the other one trying to get its attention. Because you give it attention, don't you? Usually the other puppy says, get off me. It's still attention. Negative attention is still attention. Or the person. A lot of dogs do it to get attention from their people. I've had some trainer friends of mine put it on cue, which is rather hysterical. But yes, that's really awkward if, if you don't want a dog doing that to you and the dog starts doing that to you. That's not a good situation. I can see where that would be a pet peeve. I thought that was a creative one. Harry Kukowski, if I mispronounced that, Harry, I'm sorry. He says, my peeve is humans expecting our dogs or any pet to know or be something just because we say or think so. That's another really good one. A lot of people don't understand that dogs aren't born understanding your language. I get calls all the time from people saying, my dog won't come when called. And one of the first things I ask is, have you trained it to come when called? Because they don't know what the words mean. I use this example in my class all all the time. If I were to hand you a crochet hook and some yarn and go, crochet, 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 that's not going to help you learn to crochet any faster. So saying, come, come, come here, come on, come, or sit, 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 is not going to teach your dog how to do those behaviors any faster. So that was a really good one there, Harry. Don Hansen contributed a good one. He says, people that insist that their dog meet and interact with people when the dog is clearly frightened and wants to leave. This is a hard one because I I truly believe after working with people all these years and their pets that a lot of people don't recognize fearful behavior. I think that they truly don't understand that the dog is scared or they recognize that the dog is frightened, but they think that by forcing the dog to interact with people, it will make the dog better. And that is not the case. That's called flooding, and it can be very, very dangerous. It can make the dog actually worse. And it can also make the dog not trust you as much as well because you're putting it in that situation. So hopefully we're getting the word out there about fearful behaviors. If your dog ever has its ears down, if it's licking its lips a lot, if it's yawning, if it's turning away, of course, cowering, tucking that tail under. This is a dog that's nervous and afraid, and you want to find out what is frightening that dog and never force it to confront that fear. It's just going to make the situation worse. And as a person who, who understands canine behavior, whenever I see somebody doing that, like, oh, pet him. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, your dog is afraid. And I try to educate because we certainly don't want that to happen. Several people brought up 
kids and dogs. And I thought they had some really good things to say. Karen Peake wrote, Owners who feel it is fine to allow their dogs to barge up to visit visibly scared children. This is the opposite of what we were talking about. We were talking about scared dogs. Now we're talking about scared kids. And just because your dog is friendly doesn't mean they're going to suddenly win over Junior if he's already terrified. And this can make kids even more frightened of dogs. So we definitely don't want to do that. There was another great one with kids. Suzanne Adams wrote, For us, the absolute worst are when somebody lets a small child, especially a stranger, come running up to our dogs. Or even more dangerous is when people come up, start squatting down or leaning over them, looking them straight in the eyes and want to pet their face. Thank the Lord our sweet GSPs, that's German short hair pointers for those of you who don't know that acronym, have learned avoidance techniques. This is a great one, Suzanne. Thank you. It's really frightening to me that people will let their kids run up to dogs. Not every dog likes children. Some dogs are really, really frightened of children. I remember once I was doing a bite prevention program at a local library. And for this particular program, we had therapy dogs come so that we could teach the kids how to be safe around dogs, and then they would get to practice with the therapy dogs, who were pretty bomb-proof, and they'd been screened and tested. Well, I was outside the library waiting for my teams to arrive, and one of my team members arrived with the most wonderful Great Pyrenees you've ever known. Her name was Marsha, and his name was Moses. He's since gone, but uh, I miss that dog terribly. He was a wonderful, wonderful therapy dog. So, Marsha and Moses are walking up the walk, and Great Pyrenees look like polar bears. They're huge dogs. They're very, very large. This woman walks up, and she's got an infant in her arms, a baby baby, very, very young, only a couple months old, human child in her arms. And she leans over Moses, so her child is like eight inches away from his mouth. Then she asks, is he friendly? Wow, little late to be asking that question. She'd already pretty much served up her child like a little appetizer. Uh, luckily, Moses was friendly, but I took the woman aside. I said, well, you do. Luckily, this is a therapy dog and he's very friendly, but you really need to ask before putting your infant in proximity of the jaws of a giant dog or a small dog. So that can happen quite a bit. And then of course, as Suzanne also talked about, people who just automatically come up without asking to pet the dog or looking them straight in the eyes, that's a really assertive gesture in dog language. And if you look dogs straight in the eyes, some dogs are not going to have a problem with it and some dogs will. So we want to be safe. We're going to talk more about pet peeves and we're going to get to those positives when we get back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. 
Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Get Positive Results. I'm your host, Teodie Anderson, and today we're talking about pet peeves, and positives on Pet Life Radio. That is a lot of peas today. Another one, we talked about children right before the break, and Rose Tropiano Digilio. Rose, if I massacred that, I am so sorry. Pet peeve, people who allow their children to climb, sleep, or lay on their dogs, then say, I don't know what happened. He growled, bit, snapped, etc. out of the blue. That is evident all throughout Facebook. Facebook is what started the show today because I posted a question on my Facebook page asking folks to tell me what their pet peeves and positives were. And if you're on Facebook at any given time, you're going to see somebody posting what they think is a cute picture of a dog and a child. And normally trainers start cringing and start breaking out in hives and we start sweating and we worry because a lot of times the dog in the picture is saying, get this child away from me. I'm afraid, I'm nervous, I'm upset. And the people think it's adorable. Videos too, there's tons of videos. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's this video out there, went viral a while back, of a child jumping up and down like it was a mattress, except it was a Rottweiler. This was a saint of a Rottweiler, but it looked very uncomfortable. It was giving a lot of body signals that it wasn't happy. And there's a couple things that are scary about this. One is that you shouldn't do that to a dog anyway. You shouldn't ride them like horses. You shouldn't let your children do that because a dog eventually could have enough. Even the most sainted knighthood of dogs, they could have enough and finally snap. And then, of course, the dog's always the one that takes the blame. But the other thing that happens is that children become magnetized to that. If your child happens to have a wonderful, sweet, nurturing dog that allows that kind of behavior, young children think that all dogs are like that. That is very, very dangerous because those are the children that are going to run up to those other dogs and they're going to get seriously, seriously hurt. So we definitely don't want that to happen. But those videos and those pictures, I use them in classes and use them when I'm speaking at different conferences and show folks teaching them how to recognize when the dog's uncomfortable. Because again, it's always the dog that gets the blame, which is always so sad. Sandy Crosby had a good one. She says her peeve was folks who nag their dogs, sit, 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 etc. And then they use their leash, usually with the jerk, to try to get what they want. Again, those words don't mean anything to your dog until you pair it with an action. And it usually takes quite a bit of pairings in order for your dog to make that association. So nagging them is not going to make them any more obedient. 
some folks had some really good contributions about researching their dogs. And I thought that those were really, really clever ones to contribute. Let's see. We had... Audrey Schwartz Rivers wrote, My pet peeve is someone who gets a pet without doing any research about the species, behavior, breed, needs, etc. Why so many are turned into the shelter. That is so true. Not so much lately from my classes, but there was a couple years where the biggest complaints I got from my clients were breed-specific issues. For example, the folks who had retrievers complained that their retrievers put everything in their mouths. They're retrievers. People who had terriers would complain that their terriers were always hunting things and ripping up things in the house. People who had hounds, for example, basset hounds, would complain that they bayed, made a lot of noise, or that they were smelling all the time and wouldn't pay attention to them. My point was, you pick the dog out. These are very breed-specific traits. So it's really important to do your research ahead of time and make sure that you know all the little quirks of that breed before you bring that breed home. Of course, if you have a combination dog, a mixed breed dog, you want to try to get to the bottom of what's in there as best you can and try to figure out what those combinations are because you can't really get mad at them for doing what they were bred to do. There are always exceptions. Logan, my wonderful Labrador, didn't like to swim. He just was not a Labrador who enjoyed swimming. He loved baths. He liked the bathtub, but he didn't like to go swimming. So there's always exceptions to every rule. But in general, those breeds have been bred over hundreds and hundreds of years to do specific things. So you can't really get mad at them because you picked them out. So be sure we want people to do their breed research before they bring those furry, adorable creatures that are so cute when they're little, and then they end up driving you nuts sometimes. Especially the breed research comes into hand with the giant breeds. I mentioned Great Pyrenees earlier. Those are really large dogs. And people get them because they're so cute. They look like little fluffy polar bears when they're babies, but they get to be really, really large and they weigh a lot. And then they're shocked. That's why there were so many issues with uh, St. Bernard's. They're so cute when they're little, and then people realize how big and drooly they get, and they end up in the shelters, which isn't fair. I'm going to skim through some more of these because they were just such wonderful contributions. I'm sorry, folks, if I don't get to yours because there's just no way to get to them all. I want to make sure that we have time for the positive stuff, too. Here is one from Paula Shimko. She wrote, I dislike when people allow dogs to jump on them when clearly the handler does not want them to jump on humans. That's okay. I don't mind. That is another excellent one. When you're training your dog and you're trying to get it to behave, especially if you want your dog to have certain goals. For example, I work a lot with folks who want their dogs to be therapy dogs, so they can't have their dogs jumping on people. So when the dog does jump on somebody and the person's petting the dog and making kissy faces at it, they think it's awesome. You're going, oh gosh, thanks. You're just paying my dog for doing this. Could you please stop? We call them untrainers. We try to limit the amount of untrainers that happen in our life. Janet Wallace had some really good ones. Contribution from Rivette's office. She said that she works in a vet clinic, so she has many pet peeves. We'll only do a few of them. She said dogs barking excessively and very loudly in the waiting and exam rooms without an attempt to quiet them down. We have another, an owner saying, sit, 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 sit. Seems to be a nerve there. Owners that nag their dogs with no attempt to show them sit. Owners that allow dogs to scratch to pieces are wooden doors. Well, that's just rude, too. Like it's almost like rental property. People sometimes abuse rental property on vacation and they don't treat it as if they were at home. So your vet has to replace that, those doors, when your dogs chew them up and, and scratch them up. And then he's going to have to raise his rates in order to pay for those doors. So it's in all of our best interest to keep those rates lower by not having your dog destroy the vet clinic while you're at it. 
Susan Gilreath contributed something about flexi leads. We had a few about those. Flexi leads and owners who act oblivious and then can't seem to lock it and stop the dog from being friendly. That's the same thing as the dog running up in another dog's face or running up to a person. Flexi leads do not give you really good control over your dog. McLean Evans wrote, I hate retractable leashes. And my pet peeve is when people bring their dogs to crowded events on them and then proceed to let their dogs run through the crowd, wrapping the cord around innocent human and canine bystanders. That can also be dangerous. But flexi leads, or that's a brand name, but retractable leashes, those can be used in training. I prefer to use them for advanced training, for advanced recalls. They're also really handy when you have to house train your dog. You want to take it out on leash, but you don't want to go out in the yard necessarily with them. You're trying to increase the distance between you and your dog while you're doing some training there. And I think that they can be good for that. But for going out in public, especially in a crowd, that is definitely not a good one. Here is one that somebody contributed about cats. We had a few cat peeves as well. Susan Green wrote, People who bring cats to veterinary clinics, boarding places, rabies clinics, etc., unrestrained because, quote, she's used to it, unquote, even though their cat probably isn't used to dogs barking, leaping, children squealing in a fire hall where clinics are often held, etc., a truck roaring by, etc. So many cats are lost this way and a secure cat carrier could have prevented it. That is a wonderful contribution. And I don't know why folks won't use cat carriers. I will tell you how I learned this mistake because I am guilty of this. I didn't get very far, though. You'll hear in just a second. I was not a cat person growing up. We didn't have cats in my household, so I wasn't very used to them. As an adult, I decided to get a cat, and I adopted the sweetest, most laid-back, brown tabby cat ever. He was such a doll baby. His name was Tucker, and he was really mellow. He was a lap snuggler. He was a purr. He was so sweet. And so, because he was really laid-back, it was time to take him to the vet for a checkup, and I said, well, I'll just carry him. And this was back in the day. This was a long time ago, folks. This was back when crates were kind of considered odd for dogs. So to give myself credit, the thought of putting them in a crate didn't occur to me anyway, but because it was kind of considered odd back then for, for even for dogs. So I had him in my lap and I wasn't driving. I was in the passenger side. My car at the time was one of those cars that had the automatic seatbelts. So as soon as the car got turned on, you had the seatbelts would slide along that track and lock in the back. Well, you know where this is going. Soon as that happened, Tucker dug his claws deep, deeply into my shoulder, sprung off me, and disappeared into the nether regions of the back seat. Scared us both to death. Oh my gosh, took 25 minutes. I called the vet office, say I'm running late, to get my cat out of part of the back seat I didn't know existed in the back of this car. Then I said, I think I'm going to go get a carrier, put him in the carrier. Point being, he was a really sweet, mellow, sweet cat, but something frightened him. He reacted like a cat does. A lot of times cats will flee when they're frightened. And as a result, I ended up with a very sore shoulder for a couple weeks and a poor scaredy cat who ended up much happier in his carrier. So that can definitely happen. I know a lot of people like to walk their cats on leashes, which I think is awesome. 
The fact is, though, you just have to be careful because even if your cat is great on a harness and great on a leash, you can't always trust the environment. So just like folks who have to pick up their little dogs, if a bigger dog comes after them, you want to pick up that cat and make sure the cat's going to be safe when you take them out on leash. I do think it's great to give them exercise, controlled exercise. And when you do therapy work with your cat, they do have to be attached with you on a leash too. But you just can't trust everybody else. I think that's the running theme of the peeves section of today's program is you can't trust everybody else. Hopefully after hearing this, we will. So enough with peeves. We had great, wonderful peeves, but I do want to focus on the positive because that is basically how I do like to look at things because some people had some wonderful things to say about other people and the good things that they do. So let's do Katie Johnson. Katie Johnson had people who make time for their dog every day by including her in family activities or allowing time for their walk, exercise, playtime. We always want dogs to be a part of our lives. And that really is heartwarming when you see the dog and the family going out together and having activities together. It's always wonderful. Scott Mara, or Mara, sorry about that, Scott, writes, kudos owners that really care about their dogs and put in the time, energy, and money to improve their dogs' lives. That's always wonderful. Sometimes they are a lot more expensive than we anticipated, especially if they get sick. Any of you who've ever had to go to a specialist veterinarian, it is worth every penny, but oh my gosh, you just weren't expecting that bill. The sticker shock look on your face when you got the bill can be hard. But we do it because we love them. And not everybody can spend a lot of money on their pets, but there's a certain minimal that you have to spend. You have to spend money on shots and well care, training tools, reward-based training tools, crates, food. They're not the cheapest thing you could bring home. It's not exactly like bringing home a goldfish. So people who, who invest in their pets, but mainly too with their time and energy and that participation is always a wonderful thing. Kang Nee writes, kudos, great owners who understand why their dog is reactive and make great efforts to work on DSCC protocols. Now, for those of you not familiar with DSCC protocols, that's a trainer posting on my page. I get a lot of trainers posting. It's wonderful. That is desensitization and classical conditioning protocols. Those are techniques that are commonly used to help a dog overcome its fear. These are based in science and they are much preferable to the old-fashioned and flipping a dog over, forcing you know into an alpha roll, scruff shaking it, and using punishment-based techniques to force a dog to confront its fear. That's what we don't want to do. So Kang is, is calling out the folks who are doing it right and adds, they may not be able to do everything that's needed, but they will work on those that have the greatest public safety implications. Excellent, excellent. Leslie Bowen writes, kudos to parents who have trained their children to ask if they may pet my dogs prior to approaching. Just the opposite of the parents who let their kids go into the jaws of any dog that they see. Having them ask to pet is such a wonderful thing. And I will tell you that every time a child asks to pet my dogs, I thank them and I praise the child for it because I think the child deserves kudos too. I once had my dog at a veterinary conference. This was many years ago. And I was just so happy at the veterinary conference because it was a family conference. That a lot of the veterinarians brought their families there. And every single child who came up to me asked to pet my dog. It was wonderful. I'd never had that many children in a row ask to pet my dog randomly throughout a weekend. It was wonderful. So the vets were doing definitely something right with teaching their kids to ask. William Casanova adds, I live in Virginia Beach, Virginia. It is a family and pet-oriented city. We have poop bags and repositories throughout, but people still allow their pets to poop and don't pick up. 
But worse yet are those that pick up the poop and tie a nice knot in the bag and then place it neatly on someone's lawn or edge of a property or actually walk on others' property and dump their bag in someone else's garbage can. William, I found your quote. You're the one who was talking about that earlier. Yes. While the latter would seem okay, he writes, it is not when you don't have pets of your own. And now, especially during the summer, you lift your lid to the foul smell of dog poop and flies. So that honestly had not occurred to me. I thought that was a wonderful contribution. A lot of people think they're doing the right thing by putting the poop bag in a trash can. They don't actually pay attention to the results of that, and maybe the person doesn't want their trash can smelling like poop. So I thought that was a really good one to call out. Jen Tixay writes, a great kudos. She says, kudos to the men that will make unnatural happy tones to get their dogs to come to them. I think that's awesome. I always uh, tell folks in my classes that what goes on in class stays in class. It's really humbling for us to realize that we're not always the center of our dog's attention. Your dog may be more distracted by dirt and want to go smell dirt than to come to you. This is really humbling. We don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. So a lot of times you have to be upbeat and you have to be excited to get your dog's attention. You may not have to do that forever, but especially when you're doing your initial training, you really want to make an impact on your dog and be really more exciting than the environment. I tell folks that I used to write advertising for a living. And my job as a person who wrote advertisements was to cut through the clutter of all the other advertisements that you see and make mine stand out. If you think about it, in your commute today, how many ads did you see? You probably saw billboards. You may have seen logos on people's shirts. Maybe you heard radio ads. Maybe you had your, your radio on in the car. There are lots of distractions. There's lots of advertising out there. Maybe on the highway, you saw cars that were wrapped with businesses and phone numbers and such. All that is advertising. How much of it do you remember? If I asked you to list every single ad you saw today, could you do it? Probably not. Now, there were a few that probably stood out for you. For whatever reason, it stood out. And that used to be my job as an ad writer. I had to write the best ad to cut through all that clutter. Well, your dog is bombarded by eight times the amount of advertisements that you are. Dogs can hear things we can't. They can certainly smell things that we can't. And in order to cut through all those distractions and cut through the clutter of advertising, you have to be a really good ad in order to get your dog's attention. Sometimes if you're a soft-spoken person or sometimes guys who just don't want to be all silly in class, I, I hear you, I get it, it can be hard. And as a result, their dogs don't pay attention to them, especially in a group class as much as other dogs. And then, of course, I take the dog and I'm like, hi, puppy, puppy. And the dog just is all over me and pays attention. They get a little jealous about that or they wonder, well, how come you do it? Well, yes, I'm a professional, but you can also get your dog's attention by being really upbeat and being the better advertisement. So I think it is awesome when people will just let loose in class and even the soft-spoken ones really come out of their shells and, and they act silly and goofy to get their dog's attention. And the dogs love it. They love love that attention that they're getting and it makes you more interesting. It's really humbling again to know that we're not as exciting as a stick or dirt or a frog that went by, but that is what happens sometimes. Patty Embry Tottenham says, good people who train their dogs and include them in family activities. Yes, we love family dogs and the fact that they're included in picnics. People are taking their dogs out more than ever. That's why Pet Life Radio is so popular. It's because people and pets go hand in hand. Pets are a part of our lives. 
And I want to thank everybody who contributed to this. It was really exciting. We probably could have taken three or four shows to cover it, but we might revisit this again in a while and see what the peeve trend is and the positives as well. I hope that you have many, many more positives in your life than peeves. If you would like to contact me, you can find me on that Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Anderson. You can email me at teoti at petliferadio.com. That's T-E-O-T-I. You can always find me on the web at getpositiveresults.com. I want to thank my producers for making this show happen. Thank you again for joining me. And until next time, this is Teodi Anderson on Get Positive Results, Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>